Well, good morning. morning. Glad to see everybody here this morning. If you're our guest this morning, I'd like to say welcome. Um, My name is Trevor. I'm pastor here at Round Oak. And I would, again, just want to welcome you to this service, right? As we do what we always do, and we worship a risen Lord and a risen Savior. And what a beautiful day to do that. It's amazing that God woke each and every one of us up and got us here. And I think sometimes we take certain things like that for granted. We don't think about what we can't do and until we can't do it anymore. But again, let's get right into this. And I want to start off by saying this. Most people have noticed this, and even if you watch even secular kind of movies, listen to secular songs, all those different things out there that have nothing to do with Jesus, people right now who have no faith in Jesus whatsoever, um, there's a little bit more kind of going on this time of year, right? There's a little bit extra, a little spring in people's steps a lot of times for some reason in December, the closer we get. People are a little bit nicer, and things are just a little bit different. You can feel it. And I, and I want to tell you why that is. Whether you know it or not, whether the world knows it or not, there is a certain amount of joy that comes this time of year because of you. I want you to remember that. Because of what you've been called to do and what you actually are doing on a daily basis because we are called to spread joy. And when, and when you act joyful, somebody notices. Johnny, when you act joyful, somebody notices. Right? That's what we do. And it spreads like wildfire. It really does. And if you haven't noticed that, I want to point this out to you. And I don't mean to point fingers, but I want to say this. If you haven't noticed that joy is spreading from you, there's a good chance you're not showing joy. You don't have that joy. Because it will. It will reflect and it will keep going. It'll be like a tidal wave going out. But we have to have it. We have to have it first. Though there are so many not sure why all that is going on, there is just something special about Christmas, about the coming, about the incarnation of God, Jesus Christ coming to earth. Now, we know why it's special. That's why you're here, right? The world doesn't. We should let them know. But there's something about that. But I want to say that. All those different things that are happening, a little bit lighter on your feet, the smiles, wouldn't it be great if you could have that all year long? All year long. You know, and I'll tell you, it can. It can be that way. It's actually not that hard when we really want it to be. Well, it can be. And I get it, though. You know, there will be some who say, you know, you've never been around my family at Christmas. In no sense of the word is there joy, right? We're like, okay, you know, I, I get that. Or maybe this, I can't afford to get gifts for those I love. That's real too. You know, I mean, there's always something. Just because it's December, just because you have joy, does not mean that there will not be trials, there will not be hard times, and there will not be struggles. That has nothing to do with joy. None of it does. But let me say this. If maybe our thinking's skewed. Maybe it's off just a little bit. Maybe, just maybe, we're focused on the wrong things. So I want to look at this. If you have your Bibles, I hope that you do. We're going to be in the book of Acts today. Second chapter. 
Just a couple verses. Verse 46 and 47 out of the second chapter of the book of Acts. And here, as we get ready to read this, I think we're going to get a good idea, of a good picture of what I really think this whole thing could look like. Of what can really happen. Of what joy can do when we keep our focus on Jesus, not anything else. And now again, not just around Christmas time, right? Not just on Easter, on Easter, on Resurrection Sunday, right? We have a lot of people that, that that's, it's easy to talk to people this time of year, just like for our Christmas service tonight. If you can invite somebody who you would not mention Jesus to or church to 364 days out of the year, you could say something to them tonight, and they might even say yes, because, hey, it's Christmas. That's kind of what you do, right? So what if we did that all year long? That's a weird idea, isn't it? I mean, it's crazy to think about that I would think about Jesus on a Tuesday in July. Come on. There's nothing that happened on July 2nd in, in this book that I know of, so we can't do that, right? That's crazy. Let's think about that. What can happen when we keep our focus on Jesus all the time? I hope you found it. Read along with me as I read this aloud. Acts chapter 2 Verses 46 and 47 says this, Every day they devoted themselves to the meeting together in the temple, and they broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. And as we just start that, just those couple little verses, I, that sounds great. I don't think we, anybody would have an issue with that at all. I hope you think so too. I mean, that's, that's a big deal. That's, that's, a, that's awesome. That's what, what we should look like. Just in a couple verses. They're experiencing real joy. They're having it. And one thing I wanted you to see, I wanted to point out here, is that this thing, all this joy, that's not just happening. They're not just sitting around and all of a sudden joy comes busting down the door and they have it. No, they're actually doing things, right? That's, they're, they're actually going out and making an effort for it because that's what us as followers of Christ are called to do. Things. Lots of things, right? Just like we talked about last week, one of the things that we're going to see here in just a minute, how they got here, how they have this joy, is that they're remaining in the love, the peace, and the hope of Jesus. All the time. Not just on you know Christmas. Not just on Easter. Or any other holiday that we can think of. But they're remaining in that all the time. And when we do this, when we as Christians really start to act like Christians, when we actually believe and behave like followers of Christ, then these things will happen. These things will happen. But I'm going to be honest real quick. I don't know. I really don't. what we look at in the book of Acts. The explosion, right, of people coming to Christ. The outright dedication in the face of real adversity. I don't know if it will. I hope it does. I pray that it would. I pray that the church, us, would rise to the occasion. That we would be this verse 47. That we'd be praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people, and the Lord would be adding daily those who are being saved. Daily. 
Wouldn't that be amazing? You know, but I want to look at something because a lot of times I like to think about stuff like this. I kind of like to think about things backwards sometimes. Like that's great. Now let's work backwards. How do we? How do we get there? Right? We know we we know what we should be looking like. We know what joy is. But a lot of times there is a path to be able to get to a certain place. If you wanted to go to a store, if you wanted to go down to say Target or Walmart, and you've never been there before you would have to take a certain path to get there, right? I mean, that's plain and simple. So you punch it into your GPS, or you get out your map, or whatever you're going to do, and you would want to follow a route. Pretty simple. So let's do this. Let's follow the route. Let's see what it takes. I mean, because I want to get here. I want to get to this first 46 and 47, and I really hope that you do too. So I want to look at this. We're going to back up just a little bit, not really far, because this happens quick. We're going, to, we're going to back up to verse 42. Same chapter, just back up, just maybe about a, looks like, I don't know, a little bit there. Not a paragraph. Because I firmly believe that this one little verse can change the way that we look at everything. And it should change the way we look at everything. It can change the outlook of the church as a whole if we have the right mindset. And we start thinking about stuff correctly. So let me read this real quick. And then we're just going to back up a little bit. Verse 42, it says this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. So if we want to get to verse 46 and 47, which again, I hope all of that you do. You know, but if we want to get to verse 46 and 47, there is no doubt in my mind that it has to start in verse 42. We have to start there first. If we really and truly want to experience God's joy, then this is what we must do. Must. I want to point that out one more time. It's, it's must. Not, you should try it every once in a while. You can pick one or two of them. It's, it's, it's all four of these things. We must do this. And this isn't the only spot in the Bible that calls us to do such things. But this is where we're at now because it lines it up perfectly. The first one, if you're a note taker, we're going to look at. And if you're not a note taker and want to go back, it's pretty much, you know, written out there for you in verse 42. But the first one is the apostles' teachings, right? Simply put, we don't get to make things up. We don't. We don't get to make things up. We don't get to change things at all. The Word reveals to us what we're supposed to be teaching, what we should be learning. Plain and simple. We follow what is revealed to us in the Word of God. One of the things we can do is we can take Peter's sermon at Pentecost as kind of an example and see who it's all about. Jesus. It's not, let me tell you about Trevor because no one cares. Let me tell you about some of you because no one really cares. We're here because we are been, we've been changed by grace through faith, by the Holy Spirit inside of us, and we are now devoted to the teaching revealed in the Word of God to Jesus Christ. And, and if it's not that, I would humbly ask you, why are you here worshiping Jesus? I don't know. I hope that you want to know. And I hope that those of us who are devoted to this teaching are bold enough and love you enough to step out and tell you about who he really is. 
because that's how we're going to change the world as well. We have to be willing to tell people about Jesus even if they think they already know about Jesus, and they don't. I'll say this before, and, and I'll definitely say it again because it's one of the truest things I can say. The hardest person to tell about Jesus is not like a, a, somebody of the Jewish faith. It's not a Muslim. It's not an atheist. It's somebody who already thinks that they're a Christian and are not. Because they're already deceived and they're fooled. If what we do doesn't point to Jesus, then it can just be left out. Completely. It can be left out completely. If what we do here on Sunday mornings, Wednesday nights, Thursdays, anytime during the week, really, if what we do here when we gather together is not about Jesus, if it's not about repentance, if it's not about what the Bible says, then we have 100% missed a point. That's it. And we've made it about, you know, us. And, and us can help nobody. We can't. We can't lift ourselves out of the pit, let alone other people. We must point them to Jesus. And if we're going to point them to Jesus, we have to point them to the truth that reveals who that Jesus is. Plain and simple. But we would have missed the point if we didn't do this. And I feel this must be pointed out as well. This also goes for our personal lives at home, not just when we're here. And to be fair, that's, that's the hard one. And that, that's the hard one, right? I'm not saying that you will be or, or you have to be perfect either. You don't have to be. But, we, but we, we should want to do what actually matters, right? We should actually want to do certain things. So I would say this, I mean, are we really devoting ourselves to the teachings of the apostles, to the teachings that are revealed to us in the Bible, to the Word of God? Or quite simply, do we just devote ourselves to the things that we like? I mean, you don't have to like answer it out loud. You know, don't worry about that one. Um, but answer it to yourself. Think about it honestly. If you heard a teaching that you did not like, or you did not agree with, but it was in here, what would you do? Do we, do we, do we devote ourselves to what the Bible says, or do we do, devote ourselves to what I want? Because those are two very different things. Very different things. Our hearts and our minds must be changed. And if they're not, we will not have his joy. We just won't. If he only matters on Sunday mornings when it's easy, right? We will not have his joy. Plain and simple. But speaking of Sunday mornings, we'll keep going though. My second point as we look through this, obviously, as we keep reading in verse 42, it's fellowship, right? Fellowship. Now this one is, or at least should be, a fun one. We like fellowship, right? It's, this should be an enjoyable part of our lives. The getting together, the doing things, the hanging out. Talking about Jesus, talking about life, being there for each other, praying for each other, all this stuff. That should be good. Laughing, having fun. That, that, this is like the woohoo part of one, right? That should be. That's what, you know, as Christians, as followers of Christ, we're not ho-hum. Right? We're not at all. We should be like, and we can enjoy this. This should there should be joy 
And we can have that, especially when we're fellowshipping with each other, having a good time. But it's about that community, about being with others. We are not called. And I do not think it's possible to be a Christian in good standing in any way without fellowship. I don't think it's possible, no matter how much anybody wants it to be. I get there are strenuous times, though, when people can't. I get it. You can't get out. You're sick. Things are broken. There's lots of different reasons, legitimate reasons. But there's too many other reasons that say, I just don't, I don't need the church. If you say, I don't need the church, then you don't know the God of the church either. Plain and simple. We need each other. To be there, to pick each other up, to teach, to be taught by, it goes both ways. To, ooh, almost said it out loud. I'm going to, to correct. We do a lot of these things. We have to be there for each other. We are not called to, nor can we, do this life on our own. We can't. We can't. And when the church starts to act like the church, that fellowship that we will have with each other will bring us joy. It will. We'll keep moving on. The next point is we just follow along here. The breaking of bread. The breaking of bread. So I'm going to say this first. As Baptists, we should love this one, right? How many have heard, you know, that the stereotype that Baptists like to eat a lot? All right, well, that one's true. <laughs> That's why we're here. <laughs> But I, I'm, I, I had to say that first, but I am sorry to say that's not what this one's about. I know, it's a bummer. But I, I don't think that's quite what's going on here because I think that would be kind of covered under our second point, the fellowship one, which we should enjoy. I think this refers to more, as we look at all of it, uh, the Lord's Supper. So if we look at this, it's, you don't have to turn there or nothing, but I'll read it real quick. Luke 22, verse 19 says this. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. We all know that verse. We all know that one. They were holding on to what Jesus told them to hold on to. That's important. Very important. When they got together, this is what they did. They broke bread. They enjoyed the meal. But in all that, in what they were doing, they did what was way more important. They were remembering the sacrifice that Christ had sacrificed for them. He, they were remembering. They were actively doing, thinking about, talking about who Jesus was, what He did for them on the cross, the fact that He rose from the dead, and that He's going to be coming again. They talked about that. Kind of like what we do when we participate in the Lord's Supper. It's about who Jesus is in the sacrifice that He made, the shedding of His blood for us. They dwelled on it. They remembered and talked about the Master, the Lord. And that's what we're looking at here. It was at the forefront of their minds. And if that's not with us, if if it's not at the forefront of 
our minds, then where is it? Because that's important. But I want you to keep this in mind as well. That Jesus can be on our minds while we do other things. Right? With the kid. How many of you have watched a football game, just a single football game this whole season? Okay. More than one? All right. Way more than one. Okay. You, you know, did you know this? This might shock you. So if, if, if get the gasp out of the way. Go, oh, okay. Everybody ready? All right. You can watch football and not lose your salvation. I'm out of here, right? We didn't know that. No, too many people think about it the wrong way. But you know what you can do is when you're watching football, that doesn't mean that Jesus is not at the forefront of your mind. Right? You're not witnessing to the guys on TV. You might be watching football by yourself. But that does not mean that Jesus is not at the forefront of your mind. Same with going hunting. Who here likes to hunt? You're out there by yourself a lot. You ain't going to witness to the deer. You, you might want to because you're, you're, gonna, you're trying to you know, take them out. But it, it's... It, you can do these things. God gave us lots of different gifts to enjoy, and we're having fun with them. But He's still at the forefront of our minds. Going to work. Setting at home. Keeping Jesus at the forefront of our minds means that we are always ready. Always ready. And that we will not drive the conversation away. I would, I would be worried and scared. I hope it doesn't honestly happen. But Jimmy, if you were out hunting and a deer walks up to you and says, hey, you want to tell me about Jesus? I would, su I would suggest just talking because probably going to be, I don't know, deer's talking. Who knows what's going to happen? It could be some crazy stuff. But it's not turning away from the conversation. It's not saying, I don't know, let's talk about football some more. It's always being ready. It's always being prepared to have that conversation, no matter what. And if you need to, a quick prayer, you're talking to God, you need guidance, you want to be able to witness to somebody, you're anything, is it always there in an instant? You just turn it on. Are you prepared to do something? Are you prepared to talk? Are you prepared to answer questions? Because the world wants to question us too. But if we're focusing on Jesus, and if He is at the forefront of our mind, regardless of what we're doing, we will always be able to say yes to something. Let me help you. Let me tell you about Jesus. Let me answer your questions. But again, we look at it in another direction. There are appropriate times. Say we're having a Bible study. It's going to be about the Bible. The applications for us, what it means, what the Word is actually saying. You know, easy. Right? It's easy to think about times on about times it's easy to think about Christ during times like that. Times like this. Jesus is at the forefront of all of our minds right now. Otherwise, I don't think he'd be here. I mean, realistically. But the other times, when you are watching football, when you are out in that tree stand, when you are at work, and a million other things that each one of us will be doing this week. Are we still prepared and willing to break bread at those times and remember what Jesus has done for us?
in the midst of the worldly chaos when things get hard? Are we still remembering the, the sacrifice that Jesus made for us? His blood that was poured out for you and for me. If we are willing, if Christ is at the forefront of our minds, then we will have the joy that He offers us. Plain and simple. Let's keep moving. Number four, prayer. I mean, realistically, need I say more? Prayer. If you are a Christian, you should pray. Not just before supper. Not just before a meal that someone you're kind of worried about how they cook. You should be praying. I don't have to worry about that one anymore. <laughs> you should be a praying person. But if you are a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, and you do not pray, I'm going to say this right now. Start. Like literally right now. If, you, if, if you're so enamored with my eloquence and you want to hear me speak, you can go back on one of the social media sites and watch it. Ignore me for about five minutes, and I want you to start praying literally right now. If you are not a regular prayer, stop what you're doing and start. That is the most important thing you can do. That's how you commune with a holy and a living God. Jesus prayed regularly, and we should want to be like him. Plain and simple. And I'm just going to say it because I feel I should and I kind of want to. But have you heard this before? God knows my heart. I don't need to pray. I, I'm going to say, you know what? That's true. You, you know, God knows your heart. He does, absolutely. God, in fact, knows everything about you. He knows your mind, all your thoughts. And you know what else? He knows that in your heart, you don't think he's worth your time. That's what you're saying. You know, he's, he's not worth your time. He knows your heart, and you don't think that you need to or should have to pray. Apparently, we're so special that God should just do whatever we want. Praying is not about changing God's mind. Praying is about God's mind getting into you. So that you know things, so you can unveil things. It, it's I've heard it described like this, and I really think it, it, it works. When you're talking to God, have you ever had that teacher back in the day where you know you ask them a question and they say, Okay, now we know when they give you the answer. She knew before, the teacher knew before. She's revealing it to you. That's what God does. You aren't changing his mind, he's getting into your mind, he's telling you what things should be. You are looking for the will of God. You're not looking to give God your will. Plain and simple. Pray. Could you imagine the arrogance of someone who actually follows Jesus saying, I don't need to pray. Wow. I mean, I'm an arrogant person, but that one, that one takes the cake, man. That's big time. God should just know what I want. And God should do what I want. Don't just, you know, man up and say it that you don't need God because you're better. I mean, I, I mean, I'm really, I'm not trying to be mean, but but if it's convicting you, I'm going to say good. But 
If you are a follower of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and you don't take time to pray, dare I say, you are not following the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Plain and simple. So I'll say this. Pray. Take time to commune with God. Pour your heart out. You have a line of communication with the Creator. So you literally have no good excuse for not doing so. Not one. If you have an excuse, I'm going to tell you right now, it's not good. It's not good enough. There's no excuse. No excuse. So pray. So again, once again, we look at all this. We wrap all these up. And again, I firmly believe that if the church does this, and I really do believe that, if we, one, devote ourselves to the teachings of the apostles, that which is revealed to us in Scripture, two, devote ourselves to the fellowship of the church, three, devote ourselves to the breaking of the bread, and four, devote ourselves to prayer, to real communion with God, then we, without a doubt, will have real, true, and lasting joy. And we just will. And we will start to see things like this happen. We'll start to see verses 46 and 47 happen. And then others will get to join in as well. We should want that. We should want this building just busting at the seams with people, not because the preaching's spectacular, because it, yeah, it's okay, not because the music is great, which we love, not because of the decorations, not because of anything, but because the truth is preached here. Because we want to know Jesus. And we want them to know Jesus. Because we don't want to give up on the world because someone didn't give up on you. Because someone didn't give up on me. They would have looked at me and said, ha, 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 he's never coming to Jesus. I actually got something similar at a handful of times. But someone said, it's fine. He needs Christ. Someone did that with you and you, and everyone here. We have to have that joy to know that Christ is working in us. We should be praying about it. We should be fellowshipping with one another. We should be devoting ourselves to the actual teaching, not the garbage that the world wants to hear. They're going to hear the opposite from us. But we're going to tell them the actual teaching of Jesus so that they can know the truth and actually be saved and redeemed from the sins that are driving them straight to hell. That's what we're going to do. And that's the magic and the joy of this time of year is that that was possible because Christ came here for us. And now we don't have to endure an eternity without Him because we are all wretched, sinful people. If that doesn't bring you some joy, knowing that He came for you. I, I don't know what else would. I honestly don't. Nothing else would do. But we can start getting others on. When we are obedient to Christ, we will have His peace, His hope, His love, and His joy. And we won't be able to stop. We won't be able to shut up about it. We will want the world to know and we will boldly proclaim that the Lord in the universe, the Lord and Creator of the universe came here, stepped into time and to space, 
for us. For us. So that we could have eternal life because He died in our place. It's for us. And that's real. It's real. And I hope you believe that. Because if you do, you can have His joy, that joy that only Jesus offers. And not only can we have it now, but we can have it every single day of our whole lives. Amen? Father, again, we thank You for everything that You do, for who it is that You are. Jesus, we thank You for Your joy. We thank You also for Your hope that You give us. For the peace that You give us. The love that You've shown. And the joy that can be ours. Again, we thank You for all that You do. Help us to have that boldness, Lord. To tell the world. To get honestly excited about who You are. Because outside of You, Jesus, there is no other way. Help us to see these things. And help us to have a, a sense of actual urgency. Because as we say here and pray, come Lord Jesus, we also know that that would be a very bad time for a very lot of people. Lord, help us to have that urgency to be bold for You. To tell others. Because we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. We don't even know what's going to happen this afternoon. Help us to tell the world about who the Lord and the Savior is. Again, Lord, we thank You for all that You do. We thank You for who You are. We thank You that You would come here for us. And Lord, we just thank You. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.